Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. Your whole life can change in an instant. About 50 million adults in the United States have chronic pain. And because of a car accident, Robbie is one of them. In their marriage vows, Robbie and Sammy promise to stand by one another and provide strength when needed. And lately, they've been facing some of their biggest challenges. Join them as they share the ups and downs of living with chronic pain. Hello, guys. And welcome to the painful truth of living with chronic pain. This is our fifth episode. Of the the new season. Of the second season. Mm -hmm. And today... We are discussing the Mayo Clinic. Yes. I'm your host, Robert Brooksby. A.K.A. Robbie. A.K.A. Robbie. Mm -hmm. And I'm accompanied by... Sammy. Sammy. (laughs) And today, again, we're talking about the Mayo Clinic. And we'll let you know why that is so special to us and Mm -hmm. what we're doing here. We're actually broadcasting from our hotel room in Jacksonville. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're doing that is, again, you'll find out in this episode. Mm-hmm. So stick around. <sighs> and make sure you visit LimitlessBroadcasting.com to check out all of our shows. Mm-hmm. Slinging Pills to Pay the Bills, Pixie Just Twins, and The Painful Truth of Living with Chronic Pain. And soon, a Highlander Rewatch that podcast that's coming soon. Yes. From very soon. Limitless Podcasting mm-hmm. Network. So anyway, so back to the Mayo Clinic. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in 2017, Robbie was in a car accident. The premise for this whole podcast show. The, if you haven't, make sure you stop and go mm-hmm. go listen to season one. Yeah. Where we kind of talk about everything that happened in regards to that. So, in 2018, he had a disc replacement, which we also talk about in one of the episodes in Season 1. So, again, go back and check out that whole season if you haven't yet. It kind of sets the premise for everything, everything. we're talking about. Uh, so, they did this disc replacement to help his neck pain and headaches. Correct. That he was having. But, really... It just made everything worse. A hundred percent worse. Yeah, the neck pain got 
So out of control, and the headaches just never went away. Can remained constant. So when they did, when the surgeon did my disc replacement surgery, they put it in crookedly. Okay, we we gotta preface this. Some people have said that it is not optimally placed, and other doctors have not said that. Right. So, we but all the good doctors have this, said this doctor did not tell us that. You're right. This doctor so, did not say that, but I actually did not ask as well. True. So. But again. I guess if I want to know that answer, I should ask. But there's a tear between between the doctors we've seen. Anyway, we came to the Mayo Clinic in January of this year because no other surgeon would touch Robbie. They all said... The risk is too great. There's nothing we can do for you. You should get a spine stimulator. Basically, yeah. we can't help you. There's nothing to be done. I'm not even going to see you. You it's... need to check out your pain management. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be your next best thing. Exactly. And I went to the top neurosurgeons in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And I even looked in Indianapolis as well. Mm -hmm. None of them would touch me. No. So, Dr. Thomas suggested that we try the Mayo Clinic because it's prestigious. It's where people go kind of when they don't know where else to go. So, side note on the Mayo Clinic. I actually didn't know how big the Mayo Clinic was. This guy. I don't, I don't know why. I just thought I've been to so many clinics. I just thought when I got here it was going to be one single building and that's the Mayo Clinic. So, listen to this. So, we had came up here in January. We came up for one night. Right. To see Dr. Chen, his first consultation, to see if anything could be done. Right. So, we come here and, you know, like halfway here, Robbie's like, no, I forgot the paperwork they gave me. So, I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll just, we'll figure it out. So, we're sitting <laughs> there and it's like the night before and I said, okay, where where are you going when you get there? And he's just like, you know, the Mayo Clinic. And I'm just like, okay, bro. There's going to be like five or six buildings over there besides the hospital. And I didn't know. Where it. are we going? This guy, this guy has no freaking clue what we're doing. So I made him call the Mayo Clinic number to get his information to find out what building we were supposed to go to and what floor. Again, I did not know. How big the Mayo Clinic was. I just assumed everybody knew how and big the Mayo Clinic was. And this is funny because my dad's a doctor. And I never had that conversation with my dad and said, we that just didn't ever come up. Well, my dad's a pharmacist and I guarantee you he still knew the Mayo Clinic was huge. Well, I guess your dad's better than my dad. Woo, woo, I'm woo. assuming your dad knew that. You just didn't, he didn't follow tell me. his footsteps. You're right. When would you randomly have this conversation? Hey, dad. Tell me about the Mayo Clinic. You're right. I wouldn't have because, exactly. number one, I wasn't never this banged up when my dad was alive. Mm -hmm. So I had no reason to know about the Mayo Clinic. And when Dr. Thomas suggested the Mayo Clinic, I was like, okay, another clinic. Whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. We'll try this one. Not the we'll, same. We'll get rejected and we'll have to try to find something else. And that's my actual thought. I was like, we'll get rejected from this. But we'll go look somewhere else. And I was thinking one of like like a hospital up up in New York. Mm hmm Like some prestigious hospital there. Well, the Mayo Clinic's pretty Yeah, the prestigious. Yeah. 
But so, so anyway, so we got this appointment. We actually set up the appointment in December and right. then had to wait another month because, you know, it's Mayo Clinic. They're busy. They're very busy. So we come here in January. We bring the binder, which we've talked about endlessly. And I think we've shown you the binder. So we brought the binder. We had to pull out every one of his, what did we say? It's probably like 13 discs. Yeah, something it was like exactly that. 13 discs. Yeah, we had to pull out every one of those discs and give it to check-in so that they could scan them into the system. And we had to go over all of his medications. He got his vital signs done. It's, we went to, let's see, we walked into the building and you first saw a nurse downstairs who did your intake. So that's the one who did your medication list, which I just handed to her because it's long. Right. Your weights, your blood pressure, all of that. Mm-hmm. All of their standard intake things. Right. Then we went to the fourth floor and then that's where they took the discs and then we sat and we waited to see Dr. Chen. Right. And they... I don't know. The waiting rooms are insanely nice. Insanely I mean, nice. There's there's no, like, TVs or anything like you see in your standard doctor's waiting room, but it's just so fancy. Oh, my God. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 10 plus. Yeah. And how nice this is. Mm-hmm. Like, side note, I'm going to be in the hospital for a couple days, and bef- I came up here a couple days ago to do an other testing, and I asked for a tour of the actual hospital I was going to stay in. And they have flat screen TVs in their hospital rooms. Mm-hmm. Just, I wanted to throw that out there. And they, nice. when you get on the, the campus, they have waterfalls. This is the most impressive thing to rob me. I mean, ha- you have to be doing big things to ha- have waterfalls. Oh my goodness. Just a side note. Anyway, so we get in, we're waiting on Dr. Chen, and he comes in, and I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but he comes in, and he pulls up his MRI, and he's just like, okay, well, you know, I'm looking, and there's nothing impeding your spinal canal, it looks fine, the disc is actually doing what it's supposed to do, it looks like it, based on your x-rays and whatnot, it moves when it's supposed to move, and whatever crap the disc is supposed to do. It kind of started the same way most of the appointments that we've had started. Right. Where then they get to, oh, I can't really do anything for you. Have you considered a spinal cord stimulator or something like that? But I was sitting there and I was just like, he's not going to have a butt. I just, I felt it. There wasn't going to be a butt I can't help you this time. Right. So he's looking and then he just said, so ideally after an accident or he says trauma, to your to your spinal column, your neck, whatever. And ideally, in, when you have trauma, you don't do a disc replacement. You do a disc fusion because it provides better stability. So you're probably still having this neck pain and this comfort because you have some sort of instability where the bones are. There's probably some, like, arthritis, I think you had even said. Right. At one point in your neck. So we could just go in and do a fusion. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? Nobody else has seemed to think this was a possible thing to do. No. Except for him. And well, we, and one other, the other Spidey oh. Sense doctor that we had. Yeah, discussed. we had one other doctor that I definitely did not feel comfortable with. Yes. Because I felt like he was going to get me into, into a position I already was in. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get 
out of this position. And even more so after we've spent time with Dr. Chen, I feel that way. But, like, when he said this, I actually, we made him repeat it because I didn't believe him. It was one mm-hmm. of those things, did I hear that right? Is mm-hmm. it, and, and I think both of us had that, uh, what, what did you just say? Yes. Can, can you repeat that? Mm-hmm. I've been looking for a doctor, like Dr. Chen. For a while. Because, again, we've went to prestigious doctors in Orlando Mm-hmm. in Indianapolis trying to get somebody to either A, take my disc replacement out and do a fusion or do something else. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Chin was the only person to come up with it. Yes. So that, that we felt comfortable with. That we felt comfortable with. Because again, we had our Spidey Sense doctor. Exactly. That. So now mm-hmm. we've been to the Mayo Clinic. We got great news. Now the next part starts. We got to get it. The Mayo Clinic has to get it approved through my insurance. So they submit everything and it takes the insurance an entire month to review. And then we get a call, which I wouldn't want to be that person having to do calls like this. We get a phone call saying we've actually denied it. Their reason being that his MRI did not show any sort of like what they're calling like spinal stenosis or anything, which is basically like there's no damage to his spinal cord is essentially what they were saying and why they denied it. And it was not medically necessary, necessary yes. for me to have it. Now, mind you, we definitely, I'm not going to lie, yelled at the nurse. Yes. And I'm sorry, but that that's going to come with the job you have, especially when you start off the conversation mm. saying your back surgery and right. we don't the, know what she's talking about. The girl that called me from Aetna didn't even she said your back surgery and I was like my back surgery she was like oh we're dealing with the spine we always call it your back that's not the same that's thing. not the same thing no I don't and I don't know what anatomy class she went to but there's multiple parts to the spinal c- column so yeah right and so she was like your back surgery mm-hmm. and I was like no I'm not having a back surgery. I'm having a neck surgery. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah. that was that was bullshit, to be honest with you. That's how the phone call started, which was not right. great. So. So immediately after that. You- I, before we got, like, when she was telling us that she was denying it. Like, she said it in a way that I didn't understand what she was talking about. She was saying it in a, like, a clinical way. Yeah. But Sammy being a pharmacist she speaks that kind of language and she knew exactly she started getting pissed even before i i got there yeah it did did frustrate me too because if your whole job is to call and talk to clients of the insurance company and do things like say we are denying it you should dumb things down and i don't mean like he's stupid but he doesn't work at a doctor's office he's not a doctor he's not a medical professional so we're always taught in pharmacy to dumb things down. We need to make sure that you understand what we're saying to you. Exactly. Not because we think you're stupid, but because we speak different languages at times. And I need to know when you leave that you understand what I'm saying to you. Right. How to take your medicines. And in this case, you need to understand, A, that they're denying your surgery, and B, why. And you need to be able to explain it in a way that anybody can understand that... 
you know, I can bring in a 12-year-old and they can listen to you or a 10-year-old and they can say, okay, they said this is why. Right. That's what we were always taught is you have to explain it, like, to an elementary kid almost. Right. Mm-hmm. And sh- they definitely did not do that. Mm-mm. That's why Sammy started getting upset before. And yeah. we're talking about the call, the de- de- denial call that yes. Aetna placed. Yes. Uh-huh. A few days later, we would get the letter in the mail because they always send a letter with details as well. And like I said in the previous episode, read everything you get because it'll give you more information. It'll be sometimes easier to understand what's going on or you can Google things instead of being on a phone call trying to understand what the heck is happening. Google is your friend. Mm -hmm. So that happened. So, of course, now we're just like, okay, what the heck does that mean? Now what do we do? So the Mayo Clinic, though, as soon as they got the letter... Or the call or whatever. whatever. I'm assuming they got a phone call or something. They ended quick. up calling me. The Mayo Clinic called him first. And said, look, we submitted this procedure to your insurance, but they denied it. And I was like, yes, they did. I already gotten the call. But when I got the call from uh, the Mayo Clinic, they were like, well, even though they denied it, we're sending them an appeal letter. Mm-hmm. letter. Mm-hmm. And... They already did that even before they got me on the phone. Yes. And I was like, cool, you guys got this. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So we started waiting for the appeal. Yeah, it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. It really is much, mm-hmm. very much so. And so we got, we we finally got the appeal and they said no. So... So, this is what actually happened. So, same. So you got a call from the prior authorization department. And, again, we discussed a little bit of this in the last episode. You got a call from the prior authorization department stating that the, the appeal was denied. Denied, right. And that's where we were at. So, we're just like, great. We're going to have to pay for this entire surgery. we got to figure out what's going on. Is the surgery still on? So, we're getting all sorts of misinformation. Like, he's being told at one point the surgery is off. We're right. not doing it. It's going to have to be moved. And then we're contacting the care team, and the care team is saying, "No, oh, it's no, still we're on. submitting another appeal. You know, they have until this date to figure it out. And it was the date after the surgery. So I'm just like, okay, what does this mean? So, so then we got then the letter. Well, I would say they got it. They denied it. And then... The Mayo Clinic sent out another, like... No, st- this, this letter was for the second... This was for the first appeal. The second... The one that went out now is the one that's still pending. Okay. And that is for the part that wasn't covered. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, that's what's going... See how confusing this is? See? Exactly. Yes. This is highly so, confusing. So... Got a letter. Yeah. Then we got a letter from Aetna, and it says, Dear Appellant... Which I guess is a fancy word for saying you appealed something. Right. I don't know. We reviewed your concerns, which we received in February about your prior authorization request, and here's our decision. Then they list what they reviewed. And again, all of this is very technical in this letter. Very much so. It's not really dumbed down for anybody to understand, which irritates me to no end. And she's going to read it to you. So we are responding for the following issues. The denial of coverage for, and then they put the medical codes in. Also, so like two two six hundred, arthrodesis, posterior or post posterolateral technique, single level cervical below cervical bone two C two segment posterior fusion. So that's basically that's the fusion part right. that they're supposed to do. 
then they have 22840, which is posterior non-segmental instrumentation, which is basically, this is when they go to put the screws in so, and to this, hold it in place. And this is why I tell you Google is your friend. Yes. And then they have 2936, which is an autograft for spine surgery only, which includes harvesting the graft. This is a bone graft that they were going to use to put in an area that he's going to shave down in his spinal column. It's not, the disc will still be there, but it's an area, I think it was like right above the disc that he was going to shave right. down and put in a bone graft so that bone will grow in there to make it more stable. So they denied that originally. This is on the list. And then 20930, which is an allograft, which is the placement of the osteopromative material, which is the bone graft basically for spine surgery only. So they said, we reviewed all available information, including the appeal previously documented clinical information, progress notes and imaging, the Aetna Clinical Policy Bulletin number 0743 pertaining to spinal surgery and fusion with the review date of February 16, 2021, whatever that is. Then they reviewed some sort of other Aetna Clinical Bulletin pertaining to bone and tendon graft substitutes. MCG 24th edition, which I'm not sure what medical journal that is, but it's some sort of medical thing that they looked at. And the summary plan description for my company, basically. So so this is the letter they sent us. Yeah, so I'm like reading all of this, and this is literally like I got the letter, and like I said before, I read everything. So I opened the letter. We are, I Literally, Robbie had just walked out the door to go to his doctor's appointment. I'm standing outside with the dogs. And I'm just like, all right, what, what's going on with this? Let me see. And then it says, our decision on this appeal. After reviewing the information above, we were standing by our earlier decision to uphold the denial for 20930 allograft or placement of the, the bone graft, essentially. However, we will allow the fusion and then basically the putting in the screws and then putting in something not the bone graft placement, but putting in some sort of material in the shave down part. Right. So I'm literally staring at this and I was just like, wait, hold on. And I, I think I read it like five times. And I was just like, this says we will allow something. And I'm like, but this, this says they overturned something. Right. We haven't been told this. Wait, so, what's so. going on? Mind you, they don't call you they and tell you they you. overturn something. They just no. call you to say we're not paying for something. Exactly. So, again, the Mayo Clinic sent this out. We got the denial letter. Mm-hmm. So, and then they called to dispute it. And then they said, they still said they, they didn't. So, after they disputed it, they still denied it. So, they put in a. They denied the bone graft right. placement. So they uh, they put in what we th- what an I thought argument. originally I thought was an appeal for that, but what it turns out after talking to Dr. Chen today a little bit more specifically, he's just changing what he's doing. He's doing some sort of he said it's from cadavers. So what they're going to do from cadavers. They're going to take a, for the bone graft, they're going to take a piece of it from a dead person and yeah. put it into my neck. Yes. He said that this is less expensive and usually covered by insurance. So my understanding is that this 
third appeal that went out is actually them resubmitting that part of the insurance to get it covered. But Mayo Clinic, after the first denial, they said they were going to do uh, a level two. Yeah. And what was that called? Like... I don't know. Like a warning or something like that. Oh, a complaint. A complaint. That's what they're saying. So after everything got denied, Mayo Clinic was like, uh, no, we're going to put in a complaint. And that's higher than just an appeal. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a second level. Right. And that's kind of where we're at right now because they denied it. We At first, they denied it at all. Mm-hmm. Then they appealed it. That's what this letter is for. Yeah. But we have a complaint in mm-hmm. to for our... Uh, insurance to cover the whole thing yeah so basically what happened with this and this is why we tell you it's so confusing Mm -hmm. with this surgery we ended up having to make a payment a large payment Mm -hmm. and whatever the insurance will cover we the mayo clinic will reimburse us yes after the complaint Mm -hmm. is settled and that's why I tell you, number one, Google's your friend because we, mm-hmm. when we read this letter, we wrote, we read it like 10, 15 times because of the wording. And Sammy actually sent this to me mm-hmm. because I went to Dr. Thomas's mm-hmm. and I asked him to read the letter and I was like, do you know what that means? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know what it means. Well, and, and that's coming from a, a board certified doctor. The other thing that I thought was interesting about the letter is they talk about how they made their decision. So they said guidelines are met for fusion surgery, which I thought was interesting because the first time they said you don't meet the guidelines. Right. But then they're saying after they look at their their clinical bulletins and then this medical journal and the summary of the plan coverage that we meet the guidelines for that but not for the bone graft thing. And then they have this whole history. I don't know if you read this part, but it says specifically the member is a 36-year-old male with a history of cervical bones 5 to 6, C5 through 6, total disc replacement surgery in July 2018. He has had symptomatic residual unremitting neck pain and left-sided shoulder pain radiating to left arm that has failed three months of conservative management, including, including physical therapy, injections, ice, topical creams, lorazepam, cyclobenzaprine, gabapentin, Voltaren, Tylenol, Percocet, and Lyrica, which I is know, a lot. I, I did not read all that. Yes. Exam shows four to five strength on the left deltoid, four out of five strength on the left deltoid, biceps, triceps, intrinsic hand muscles, and intro C, I don't know what that is, and full strength on the right side. And then they say that the MRI of your cervical spine showed that the patient is status post-interim surgery. That means that you had the disc. They can see the disc exist in you. There is no residual or recurrent disc herniation, and there is no central canal or foraminal stenosis. And that's what I was saying, that they were looking specifically to see if your spinal cord was damaged in some way. And that's what they were using in the first time to say, no, you didn't need it. Yeah, to deny it. And per provider, there is no instability on flexion or extension imaging. So, you know, like we're saying that you have all this pain and nobody knows why. Um, 
And then it's saying, member has continued weakness and pain in multiple muscle groups that have effectively been impacted by original trauma and surgery that may not have been the best choice for his pathology after the initial insult, which is exactly what Dr. Chen said. Exactly. And so he said this the first time, but whatever he did the second time, I guess it got The complaint. Through. Yes. They're requested, the second level complaint. Let's see. And then they're saying that the allograft is considered experimental or investigational. So I'm guessing that it's not officially FDA approved or something. And that's why they can get away with saying we're not going to cover that. So I think th- from the payment we put down, I think this is what we're covering. And then. I believe, yes. When and if the insurance will cover it, they'll reimburse us. Yes. But. We're not going to hold our breaths. No. I mean, Aetna has not been the best insurance we've ever had. When we had the United Healthcare, they had they had problems, but number one, they would let me get things done, and I would always hit my my deductible, my, right. mm-hmm. and so things would be free. I mean, but I've never been able to do that with Aetna. And it came with a baggage of problems. So, to further cause me to be interested in this letter, they said, as far as who reviewed the case, an Aetna medical director board certified in internal medicine with a professional a professional designation of MD, an appeal nurse consultant with a professional designation of registered nurse, and a complaint and appeal analyst were not involved in the original decision but they participated in the review of the appeal. So that's why you should always appeal things and argue and make your point because now actual people in the... Like actual group of people reviewed it. Yeah. Understands why and what I need. Because the insurance doesn't want to pay for anything. No. At the end of the day. They want you to pay pay them Mm -hmm. and when you need them to pay out, they don't don't want to pay for shit. No. So that's why us being here and recording in the the hotel room is so special Mm -hmm. is because we've came a long way from getting it, getting it approved to it not being approved to it's off Mm -hmm. to it's on. It's just, it's very heartbreaking and everybody says, oh, it must be heartbreaking for me, but Sammy's been right along there with us and actually Sammy's mom has been a right along there with us as well. Mm-hmm. So it just hasn't been heartbreaking for me. It's been heartbreaking for all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because Sammy's mom knows how important the surgery right. is. Mm-hmm. Everybody and, does. And will be. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I've seen over 50 doctors so far. I don't far, even know. But... We both agree that for me to get better, this is the only way for me to actually start healing. Yes. I mean, if this covers my neck, I mean, maybe things in my back and everything will start falling back into place. And that's what we're hoping for. But if I need somebody to take a look at my back, we're at a good place to have said after this is over mm-hmm. I can Dr. Chin will I'm sure will refer me to somebody else who does backs 
mm-hmm. and they will let me know what they can do for me. Right, exactly. Because again, now that I know exactly what the Mayo Clinic is, they deal with the cases that people have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. Do- doctors in that field have a hard time with. Yes. And so I'm one of those patients, even my pain management people will tell me, I've been there for almost three years and they mm-hmm. still have not gotten to the root of my problem. No. But they're not trying to because that's why they call it pain management is because they just want to manage it. I'm just another number to them. So we have a lot of hope riding on this surgery. And this is just the first part. We have right. more to record for this episode. So this right. is going to be like a special episode because it's going to be, be longer. Yeah, I'll be doing This Is Us Together this tonight is part on Monday. A. And tomorrow is Tuesday, and that's when the surgery is. So he goes in for 5.30 in the morning. Right. And so then I'll be doing some recording by myself. And you can actually... He will not be here. You can actually hear what Sammy has to say and her, the intimacy of what Sammy will say. Even I don't even know what's gonna, what she's going to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to be tuning in to the episode. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, an interesting episode this one's going to be just a little bit different right and and how it's done so yeah i'm looking forward to tomorrow i'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say i mean it's going to like she said this episode is a little different yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i again i'm very thankful that we're here and we found a doctor that will actually take me on as a Mm -hmm. client and hopefully things will be able to get moving Mm -hmm. and my quality of life can change and that's for the better and that's what i'm hoping it's not it's going to be better for me and for her Mm -hmm. and i can start getting a move on with my life and not being so held up yeah so agree this wraps up this the part a Mm -hmm. of mayo clinic Mm -hmm. do you have anything else to say nope not not we're at a good stopping point all right cool so i guess we're done until tomorrow until tomorrow by myself the surgery went on today so today is tuesday this is about 7 30 at night on tuesday robbie had to be at the mayo clinic around 5 30 this morning so i dropped him off because the doctor had basically told us that i wouldn't be able to stay with him or you know basically be able to go back with him when he's checked in so he was like you know you don't really have to stay you could just go If you have something else to do, you could go get breakfast or eat or whatever. So I basically dropped him off and then came back here. I brought Lucifer with me. So he said, bye to Lucifer in the car there. And then we came back here and then just kind of hung out. The doctor had said that the surgery would take about two hours, but I got a message, an automated text message, because Robbie gave my phone number when he got there. I got an automated text message at 822 
That said, the surgery was starting, and then by 9.17, I got a message saying that they were closing the procedure, which kind of made me panic because I was definitely not ready. <laughs> I was not really up. I was just finishing breakfast. Uh, at least I had showered and everything by then. So I had to kind of quickly take the dog out, and then I ran back over there, went upstairs to the fourth floor at the hospital, and then I sat there for three hours waiting to see if I could see him because it just kept saying that he was in the post-op area waking up and then I would get little messages saying that he was doing well and then I got a message saying he was waiting on a room and then finally a nurse called me and she said you know we're still waiting on a room it's not seeming like it's gonna be a fast process so basically confirmed that I should just go ahead and leave for the you know for a little bit and then maybe go get lunch or something and then wait for a text message and come back so I came back to the room I took Lucy out I got some lunch and then I waited on a text from them I got another text update saying that that room should be assigned shortly and then the next text I got was actually from Robbie the first time I'd heard from him since 5 30 this morning at about three o'clock and he said that he was in room 820 so I basically was like all right I'll come over there bring you some clothes and whatnot Jolly Ranchers whatever he had requested and we had in a little bag that I had packed for him and I went back over there to see him so he had been in the room maybe like half an hour or so 45 minutes when I got there and he is in a lot of pain which is to be expected He's really uncomfortable. You can see, I can't see the incision, but there's a big like gauze that's on the back of his neck that goes up and down his neck like vertically. That would be where the incision was from the surgery this morning. He said his shoulder wasn't bothering him and then he said it was and he mostly couldn't get comfortable because having any sort of pressure on his neck was bothering him. So he was struggling with that. But while I was there, they gave him some pain medicine and some muscle relaxants and once those kicked in, he calmed down a lot. He was a lot more docile, and then he started getting very sleepy. So he turned on a movie and called and ordered dinner after I was there a couple hours. So I went ahead and left him, and he fell asleep, and then he ate half of his dinner. I just got off the phone with him, and then he said that he was probably just going to go to sleep because he was. we were like FaceTiming, and he said he was just really tired, and he was ready to kind of knock out. So going to kind of leave him alone for a little bit and then see how he does. I did want to see if I could play a little bit of our conversation from today. I did some videos. So let me see how well this will translate on here. Pillows were a giant struggle today with whether he wanted them or he didn't want you? them. What's that noise? I don't know. Maybe because the air things aren't connected. I'm sorry for the sound quality. It's off of my you just phone. Want one pillow? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm asking. Is that better? For right now, I can actually lay down. Okay. So your neck hurts. Your back hurts. Anything else? How's your shoulder? I can't tell. It's like it's not bothering you right now. All right. Okay. Just try and relax. I know that's probably not the easiest thing. You know? Yeah. 
So yeah, that was just like a little bit of what I had recorded today. He's able to kind of walk around. When I was there, he wasn't too unsteady. He still kind of used the IV pole when he was up and went to the bathroom to balance himself, but he was doing pretty well. So all things considered, I think he's doing pretty good. I did ask him at one point, I said, I know your neck hurts, but does it hurt in a different way than it did before? And he said, yes. So I'm taking that as a good sign of something, you know, that it's improved because hopefully this new neck pain will go away once it kind of heals up. So anyway, that's our little update for today. I'll probably have more tomorrow once I check on him and then maybe more tonight if he kind of checks in with me again. But for now, he should be going to sleep. So I'm hoping he's kind of nodded off and we'll be back tomorrow with some more updates. So see you clinic again so today is Thursday so Robbie went in on Tuesday and he still is in the hospital tonight as I'm recording it's close to nine o'clock now here I just wanted to give a little update on what's been going on so he has been doing a lot better he didn't sleep the first night because of his pain issues but they've kind of got that a little bit more under control he's still saying he's somewhere like at a nine or 10, but he looks a lot better. He's moving a lot better today. When I went in to see him, he actually went on a walk. I don't know how far it was, but with the physical therapist, he did go on a walk today. Yesterday, we tried a little bit of a walk. He didn't get too far, but you know, at least we had attempted it. He's been sleeping a lot, he said today, but I'm assuming that's just part of the healing process. I know we're hoping he maybe will be released tomorrow, but we're still kind of waiting to see what's going on. So we're definitely going to stay another night in Jacksonville. I was hoping we could maybe go home on Friday, but it's looking like maybe Saturday will be the earliest. And I'm sorry if you can hear the dog. He's walking around the bed right now crying (laughs) like he does because he thinks he can't jump up on the bed, but he has now shown me that he is capable of it. When I got back today, he jumped up all on his own. So we're going to ignore him, right, Lucy, and let him whine until he figures out how to jump on his own. But anyway, so we're just really both ready, Robbie and I, and well, and the dog, for him to get released and come back to us. It's really hard traveling over there and then having to leave him. I feel really bad every time I have to do it. I miss him a lot. We use Skype to check in with each other, but you know, it's not the same. It's just mentally and physically, it's exhausting. I'm not sleeping well. He's not sleeping well, especially because we're apart. And you know, I'm always worried about what's going on with him. Is he okay? Is he in pain? How's he feeling? And it's just been really hard for us. And I'm just ready for us to be together. But at least the worst part of the post-surgery nonsense is behind us because the hospital has been taking really good care of him and handling all of that. But I feel like I could probably help him from now and I would just rather have him with me than for us to still be apart. So that's been the worst part of all of this is the separation that's having to continue. So hopefully tomorrow when I check in, he will be here as well, but we'll see. And then Hopefully, at some point in the near future, Lucifer will get his life together as well. So, check in with you again later.
It is Friday night of our week at the Mayo Clinic, and I'm by myself. <laughs> Robbie is still in the hospital. So they were saying that he needed to get his pain more under control, so that's what they were working on. But it's seeming very, very likely that he will be released tomorrow on Saturday. So crossing my fingers, saying lots of prayers, and hoping that I will get to pick him up tomorrow and not just have to leave him there again. Today he was looking a lot better, seeming a lot better, moving a lot better. We went on a walk with physical therapy. They came in not too long after I came in to see him today. So we got to go on a little walk. We went around the whole like little circle of his tiny world on the floor right now. So that was very exciting for him. He was walking really well, not really needing like the ivy pole or anything to balance on. And then the nurse came in and said that he was allowed to take a shower, which he was very excited about because he has not been permitted to do that yet. And he was just ready to do it. So they let him take a shower, which he got to do completely, you know, on his own in the bathroom. He was fine. No issues. He seemed to be in a lot better spirits when he came out of his shower. So something about just being able to do that one basic thing that really made him feel better. He didn't really eat lunch today, but he ordered this pasta thing that I think he should not have ordered and then his stomach was upset. And I just recommend maybe trying something else (laughs) for dinner. So he found out from one of the nurses he could actually order snacks plus regular meals. So he was all about that. He ordered himself some, I think maybe just one popsicle, but I definitely know he called and asked what flavors of popsicles they had. He was ordering some like cottage cheese and fruit platter for a snack and then soup and a grilled cheese sandwich, I believe, for dinner. So hopefully he should be getting that right about now because it's about 6.30. So hopefully he's eaten up and enjoying everything tonight. I'll check in with him in a little bit. When I was leaving, he was starting to get kind of tired, so he was going to go ahead and take a nap. So that's why I went ahead and took off. But it was a very good day today. He's no longer on the IV at all. They took him off completely. So it's another good sign, and physical therapy said they would sign off on him that he's ready to go as far as they're concerned. So let's hope that tomorrow night we can both check in with you and we can finally go home back to Orlando on Sunday. So that's the plan right now. Obviously, I'll be checking in with you tomorrow regardless. I don't know if you could hear that noise. It was a very, very loud car. We're not too, too far away from some major highway. I don't really know. Over in Jacksonville and that was a very loud car (laughs) so anyway I'm going to jump off of here and I'm going to get my own dinner for tonight and then Lucy and I are just going to hang out until bedtime being Friday the 26th I actually am going to listen to the Scrubs rewatch podcast with Zach Braff and Donald Faison tonight they're doing a live show so since we're still here in Jacksonville I went ahead and bought myself a ticket so I'm going to be doing that tonight too I will be checking in with you tomorrow and hopefully with Robbie by my side. So, obviously you can tell from the video, we are not no longer in Jacksonville. No. We are at home. Today is Monday. I kind of lost track of the days a little yeah. bit. It's a struggle. But yeah, today is Monday and we are home. We got home yesterday afternoon. Yes. After he got discharged on Saturday. 
I, I mean, honestly, I did, thought we were going to be discharged today. The way it kept looking. Thank goodness you weren't, though. That would have been terrible. Thank goodness. Because, let's see, you called me, and it was like around 11. Mm-hmm. And you said the doctor was here, and they said they put in for me to get discharged. We didn't and get we out. didn't get back to the hotel until like 3. Three. That was with us waiting on the pharmacy, waiting on your discharge papers, then going to get food. Right. And then getting back. And it was almost 3 o'clock there. And if we had driven home after that, that meant we would have been home at like 6. Oh, I could. Probably with traffic. I would imagine it might have been more like 6. Yeah, I couldn't have done that. I would have needed to. It was to. exhausting. I would have needed to stay that one more night. Yeah, Honestly, which we did. Staying that night, one more night after we got discharged, was the best. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it was helpful for you, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it was very exhausting. And then it was stressful the last couple of days because we were ready for you to get discharged. And we didn't know if you were going to get discharged or what was going on. And it was so much back and forth. I thought you were going to fight. I thought you were going to be like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna need you to get discharged. I thought you were going to make a bigger deal. Who was I supposed to fight? I didn't even see mm-hmm. one doctor when I was in there. I figured you'd get to the, my room and say, I need, I need to speak to his doctor. And what, force him to discharge you on Friday? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I wanted you to get the care you needed. Like, if they weren't done with you, I didn't want to pull you. Right. And when it was Friday when I was there when they did your physical therapy, right? When we walked around the hall. Right. So, I mean, that was the last day that they wanted to see you. And they didn't sign off on you until Friday. Right. So, realistically, I mean, by the time I got over there, it was already like one something in the afternoon. By the time they finished with you, it was almost two. Yeah. So... I mean, it wouldn't have mattered at that point. Right. Especially with how long it takes them. Although, really, to process you, honestly, it was not that long. They, the process, they got me pretty, yeah. out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. It was the pharmacy. Yeah, because they were very backed up, I guess, because it was a Saturday and they were short staffed and they were having a lot of prescriptions sent in. Yeah. And then, like, you technically had five, and then I told her, well, two of them are over the counter. I have those. Don't worry about it. Just fill the other three. Yeah. So, I think that made a difference, too. But, yeah, I, I went down. They said it would be, like, 40 minutes, and then I went back, and then I sat there another 40 minutes waiting, basically, for it. But I felt bad. There was only three of them working, and one of them was... Had to be at the pickup window the whole time because they were constantly patients. Yeah, patients or nurses or somebody, mostly patients or like family members of patients like me, coming to pick up medicine. And then they obviously were having a lot of stuff in the queue that needed to be typed as it was sent down from, you know, nurses, doctors, whatever. Is that why you can never work at a hospital? Well, I mean, their pharmacy is basically like a retail pharmacy, except they get hospital prescriptions coming down. Right. But it's like the same sort of concept, essentially. So, I mean, that really wouldn't be that big of a difference. And obviously, they don't have enough people working either. So, it's the 
plague of the retail world, I guess. Why why is theirs just like a retail pharmacy? Because they're not doing... That pharmacy does not fill the inpatient prescriptions. So when you were sitting there in your room... I don't, did anyone ever come and fill up the little case that was in your room that had medicine in it? No. Probably not, because I don't think you were using enough. But you always notice the nurses got in there and uh-huh. got prescriptions out. Mm-hmm. And after they scanned everything and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The inpatient pharmacy fills that. The inpatient pharmacy would deliver meds to the floor if there was something that they needed. Mm-hmm. This pharmacy just dealt with people getting discharged. I'm assuming some people maybe use it as their pharmacy in the area, maybe, like just regular medicines. Or if they see a doctor, like you go to Dr. Chen and you see him at the out, like an outlier building, right? Mm -hmm. And there's lots of doctors in outlier buildings around the Mayo Clinic and they have other clinics and stuff around Jacksonville. If you go to one of those, you can probably have your prescriptions filled at the Mayo Clinic Pharmacy as well. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really what it they were doing as far as filling. But I know they were getting a lot of medicine sent from upstairs down to them. And I knew, though, when the nurse was just like, yeah, I just go down and pick it up at the pharmacy. I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, did you just send the orders down there? Because you just kind of asked us where we wanted them. And there's no way I'm going to be able to walk from here to the pharmacy and it's going to be ready. Right. Which was correct. Right. It was not feasible. Was Are not you glad we got them? film there well it just was one last stop because otherwise we have had them sent to a cvs and then for one i would have had to figure out what cvs we were nearby right and if we're nearby any cvs in the mayo clinic i'm sure it was a busy cvs Mm -hmm. because that's what happens when you're near a like major health facility it was by the the diner we went to. Yeah, we found... No, we went by at least three different CVSs in the area. Oh, okay. Honestly, we went by like three different ones. There was a huge one we went by that I assumed was maybe like 24 hours, but I didn't really look look when we went by. And then there was that one, like you said, in the plaza that we accidentally were next to. Right. And then there was another one we drove by at some point that was also in a plaza. Right. But I don't remember where that one was. But, yeah, I would have had to look up an address, figure it out, and then have it sent there. And, of course, they would have had to – I don't want to be rude, but not – especially sometimes at the very busy stores, they are not the best about doing central searches correctly to find patients. Yeah. And I would have been slightly concerned that they would have made you, like, a whole another profile, and that would have been a thing. And, and plus, like, you technically had a prescription on file – like, you have other muscle relaxants and stuff in your profile. Uh-huh. And granted, you're not... Obviously, I'm a pharmacist, so I have everything I control as far as what medicines you're taking. You're not mixing anything you're not supposed to. Right. But if it went to the CVS, there may have been, like, a delay there because they would have been like, oh, but he has this prescription on file for this and this and this. And what is he taking? Because you technically have... They gave you Robaxin, the muscle relaxer, to take, uh-huh. like, four times a day, up to four times a day. From Dr. Chen. Right. And then you have baclofen that you get from pain management and or Dr. Thomas. Right. And they were still giving you that just at bedtime because it makes you sleepy. Right. And you can't really take it during the day. And then you also have a prescription on your profile for Flexeril that you got 
from, from Dr. Dr. Parnes, but you don't take that at all. But I'm just saying, like, all of this would have popped up, and the pharmacists would have been doing their due diligence, mind you, and it, I would not have been upset about it. But at this point, it was just like, you know what? I have it under control. Let's just pay for it at the Mayo Clinic and be done with it. So you know? by getting it there, they didn't have to do that central search? Well, unfortunately, this is why I don't recommend that you do what we call polypharmacy, which is where you fill medications. Well, polypharmacy has a couple different terms. Like either you're over-medicating or you're also like going to other pharmacies for random things. Mm -hmm. Like I fill these medications at Publix and this one at Walmart and then I fill this one at CVS and this one at Walgreens. Because we can't see all of that. So to flag you and give you like counseling on interactions and things, we can't see all of that. So CVS can't see what I got at the Mayo Clinic. Clinic. No, and the Mayo Clinic can't see what you got at CVS. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. But the Mayo Clinic, one thing they did a really good job on is she went over your med list and then she's like, okay, you don't take this. Like you're not taking ibuprofen. Do not take this prescription. Right. So she went over everything with you. Right. So they were clear on this is what's current. This is what's not current. And as a general rule... What I tell people, too, when they come from the hospital down the road from us is you take what the hospital is giving you mm-hmm. and you stop any other similar medications. Okay. And then you follow up with whatever doctor is going to be primarily prescribing stuff for you. Now, in your case, he's going to be your doctor. and You're going to be under his care for at least three months mm-hmm. for any pain issues, things like that. But... Like, let's say you're in the hospital and they were like, oh, we're going to give you a new cholesterol medicine and whatnot. Then I would tell you to stop the one you have at home until you see your primary care doctor. And then they'll decide whether you stay on the new one or you go back to the old one or whatever they're doing with you. Okay. They only gave you a week's worth of stuff. I noticed that. And that that makes me a little worried. I'm going to have to. I think you can call, obviously, at the end of the week, but... I think the reasoning behind it is that in a week you should feel a lot better. Oh, okay. As far as healing and whatnot. And honestly, like the that diazepam they gave you, mm-hmm. you're not taking that as often as you could. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of more like as needed. Like you take your Robaxin methylcarbamol mm-hmm. and you're not finding relief from it. You're still feeling like that tightness and discomfort. Right. Then you can take the diazepam. But you've really only been doing that maybe at night because it makes you sleepy. Right. And that's kind of why they initially started giving it to you as well. They were giving me so many good stuff at the Mayo Clinic. Robbie likes Dilaudid. It Because it, I, I was in so much pain from all my surgeries. It's just like flipping a, a button or a switch. And it just, you don't care. <laughs> yeah, I always knew when he had taken it because he was harder than hell to understand. And he made no sense. He would just stop talking in the middle of sentences, like having a half a thought, and then he just quit. And it wasn't even like he changed subjects. Like, he just wasn't talking anymore. I'm like, hello, uh, Bueller, are you in there? Come on now. Ferris. What's, yeah, Ferris, what's going on? Bueller, Bueller. That's pretty funny. I just, like the the one day when I was talking to you on the phone, and this is one of my favorite stories, and I said, he said to me, oh, they won't let me get discharged until my pain is under control. They want me off Dilaudid. And I said, okay, so 
this is early in the day, like, what pain messages did they give you so far? And he said, they gave me oxycodone and probably the muscle relaxers, I think you said, the, the Robaxin. And I said, oh, okay, so they didn't give you any Dilaudid today. And you said no. And then we were talking about something else for a minute. And then we got back on that. And you were like, yeah, so a little bit ago they gave me the Dilaudid in my IV. And I'm just like, I literally asked I, you this. I think they just did it. Like, while, while we were talking. I don't know if I believe it, because you seem very confused on the phone. <laughs> You're probably right. I don't want to say that that's actually what happened. You're probably right. But to, I can't prove that one, because I don't think we were Skyping at that time. I think it was just talking right. on the phone. Yeah, that was... Ugh. So, how was it, like, for us being apart for you? Because, like, for me, it was difficult because you know we would do the face-to-face on the skype conversations but like one day i tried to call you and i couldn't get a hold of you and then i don't know if something happened to you if you're okay i think that part was annoying Mm -hmm. especially if you wanted to get a hold of me Mm -hmm. i i didn't like that part well i guess you could have called my room if you really needed to i was about to that morning because i'm texting you i skyped you no answer. I called you. No answer. I think I was actually asleep. You told me you were in the bathroom. Or I was in the bathroom. I don't really know. Again, who knows? That that part I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you helped me with my with my medications. Mm-hmm. I mean, you generally helped me with my care. Yeah. And sometimes. Being in the hospital, I wanted to let the nurse know, you know what, you could just let her do it, and sh- she can do everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably get it done a lot faster and quicker. And... Yeah. that That's that's what really annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the one day I was in there with you, and you said you hadn't really felt good in the morning, and you didn't really lunch, so you are feeling nauseous, so... Push the little nurse page button. And I know the nurses don't answer. It's. It's this general call. Yeah. System. Like, I don't know who it goes to because whoever answers always says, I'll let them know. So right. I'm not sure who picks up or where, but they have some sort of system. And usually it, they were pretty quick to come in. Right. But that day you call and you're like, I need something for nausea. And then she was like, all right, I'll let them know. And then we sat there and we sat there and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And then the nurse comes in. I'm thinking, okay, so she's going to bring you some nausea medicine. She's just like, like, great news. Great news, exactly. You can take a shower. And we're like, Uh, all right. So before he, like, throws up all over himself in the shower, can he get some nausea medicine first? It was discontinued. Yes. I don't know what happened with that. And then. One of the doctors or something had discontinued it, but. They got it. I mean, the Mayo Clinic. Has been the, probably the best hospital I've oh, yeah. ever been at. Mm-hmm. Their staff has been overly friendly. Yeah. The doctors are overly friendly. Mm-hmm. They, if I needed something from my doctor, I bet I could call him tomorrow and he would do something for mm-hmm. me. They were great. By tomorrow afternoon. I mean, and then I'm still remembering the shower day because the nurse said, okay, let me send out a message to the doctor. It was the on-call doctor. And see if we can get you something. So she did that. And then that doctor called her. And 
besides O'Kane the saying she'd send over the nausea medicine, which she did pretty quickly, she was asking a whole bunch of other questions. So the nurse is just like, yeah, yep, he's, yep, he can do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? All he wanted was some nausea medicine. And then, then the nurse is just like, okay, well, we can take you off the IV. And, like, all this other stuff is happening. And we're still just like, first, the Zofran. And then, then all the rest of it. Yes. <laughs> but yes. but you got it really quickly after that. Because then she did check and then the order came through. And then she got it out and she was like, all right, here's that. And I think she gave me something else at the same time. I think she did too. I don't remember what else you got. The you hospital, do for a dose of something the else hospital staff at the Mayo Clinic. If I ever have to go back and stay at a hospital again, I will always prefer to go to the Mayo Clinic. So nice. I, w- I really wish we would have started there. Oh, yeah. In the beginning. For sure. And saved us ourselves the heartache and trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. the reason you can see me, I'm kind of sitting weird. Is because my neck hurts. Yeah. And I'm kind of uh, trying to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm kind of uh, moving around a bunch. Yeah. So, but yeah, but Dr. So Chin, nice. I remember one night, one morning, I was dead asleep. Mm-hmm. And he came in with his um, headdress on, like uh, his surgeon, like, uh, you know the his hair cover, yeah, and and, have, and his mask, and, and his mask, and his white coat, mm-hmm. and I, I had so many people walking mm-hmm. in and out of my room. I was like, all right, just another doctor here, and he was like, Robert, how are you doing? It's Doctor Chin, and I was like, oh, Doctor Chin. Chin, and I think it wasn't too long ago. I they gave me Dilaudid, and yeah, you could definitely worst. tell. When I'm fucked up, because I would be barely conscious talking to him. Yeah, tell them about the dream you had with the nurse the, and the remote. The remote. Yeah, when you said that you were sleeping and the nurse came in, and then you had the remote in your hands. Oh yes, you had the the remote. Yes. For, like, the paging, the nurses and stuff. So, a nurse came in. So, I had... So, let's say this is the remote that you'd call the the nurses, right? And, um... I called him over, and I was like, can you look at this? And he's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? I was like, this is the money I'm gonna give the guys. Can you count it for me? And he was like, what? And I was like, you know, <laughs> this is the money I'm going to give the guys. You know what I'm talking about. And he was like, no, so I, I think I think you're uh, mistaken. And I was like, and I kind of looked at him like, oh who are God. you? What? What's going on? Welcome to my life. But yeah, that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And then like after surgery, after they got me into like recovery, Sammy just found out about this today. They oh, yeah. told me that, like, they woke me up and, like, I screamed at them. <laughs> so crazy. Like, like, bloody murder screamed. Like, ah! Oh, my like, God. And I don't even know why I did it, but. That's crazy. I remember being in uh, recovery for the longest time. Oh, my gosh. It was so long. And I kept being like, 
dude, I want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anywhere to put you yet. Right. They needed a room. Right. Man, I got. I was on the eighth floor. Yep. All the way down. I was in eight twenty. Yep. Eight south. Eight south. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mayo Clinic is nice. Mm-hmm. What I like too is that it's really well marked when you're trying to get someplace. Yes. So when I, he told me his he had finally on his room number. It wasn't like it was overly difficult that for me to figure out like where he was. So I went in like I normally did to the Mayo Clinic, got my little visitor sticker, and then I went to the elevators that I used the first time, and then I stared, and I was like, I don't think these went to the eighth floor, but let me look. So I'm looking, I was like, nope, but it, there's like markings over there, like a sign or something, and it said, if you need patient rooms, go to the west elevators, and I was like, okay, <laughs> so turn around. And That's I'm like, West be. Elevators. And there's a huge sign. It's so clear. I'm like, West Elevators. All right. Went down there. There's another check-in desk. Show your ID and get another little sticker. It says you checked in your visitor. I mean, and then it was super you have easy. To check in? Twice. You check in the first time. As soon as you walk in the door and they give you a visitor badge. Well, they ask if you're a visitor or a patient. And then they give you a different one depending on it. And it's a different color every day. And it's labeled with the date. So the day of the week is printed on there. And then they write the date on there. And then it says, like, MV. I think so, like, Mayo Clinic Visitor or whatever. Oh, okay. And they are like, okay, if you had COVID symptoms or tested positive in the last two weeks, no. And then in the last two days, if you had a fever, any respiratory symptoms, blah, 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 no. And then they give you your sticker and they're like, bye. You know, the funny thing is, is when I was doing my pre-op check-in list Mm -hmm. and everything... We Sammy had come to my appointments with me, and we'd come in, and they'd say, you know, who's the patient? Mm-hmm. I'd say, I am. And then they'd be like, do you have any COVID symptoms in the last yep. 15 days? Same thing. And I'd say no, but at the end of it, I'd, I I had to ask him a question. I was like, yeah, do you have any ever, anybody ever say yes? Mm-hmm. And they're like, you'll be surprised. Yep. So people I, just don't think. I guess people can tell the truth. Well, there was one day when I got there, and for whatever reason, normally when I walked in, there was maybe one other person checking in, mm-hmm. or like nobody. Like when I went on on Saturday to get you, mm-hmm. there was nobody there, and they only had every other day I went, they had like four or five people working the desk to either the visitor badge. Right. When I went in on Saturday, there was one guy. So Saturdays are not a busy Mayo Clinic day. Apparently. I guess people don't visit on Saturdays. I don't know, but they are not obviously that busy, or they try and discharge everybody maybe before the weekend. I'm sure it's probably more what it is. I'm sure. Um, but there was one day I went, and there was like a line, and there was a guy with another guy in a wheelchair, and they didn't have masks. Like, come on, people, seriously. They didn't have masks? They didn't no, give, they, they didn't... did, but they said they had to use hand sanitizer first, and then they could put on the mask. But I was just like, they're trying to wave me around them. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to walk around these freaking people, but okay. Right. Like, yeah. wide berth around them. Wide berth. <laughs> trying to get to the volunteer or whatever. So, what was your experience, overall experience, with the Mayo Clinic? Well, the Mayo Clinic is really awesome. The hospital the campus is beautiful and so nice and you can tell they keep everything up to date 
Yeah, waterfalls, I'm telling you. Back to the waterfalls. It's, Always with the water features. I'm be honest with you. For somebody that's never known about the Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. it has blown my mind and it made me a believer. It's awesome. But continue. Yeah, but that experience, like I said, from walking in, everybody is overly friendly, so nice. Every staff member I met was kind, nice, patient with people, everybody. And the first couple of days when I went and I had to do my second check-in to get to the elevators, I the guys started to, like, recognize me. You know, I feel like, and then I knew what the questions were. They're going to say, what room are you going to? What's the name? And you have to share ID. So I was always prepared in that aspect. But everything is nice. The elevators are super nice. Very clean. Everything seems and feels very clean. And then like walking to find the rooms, the signs are so big, even when you get upstairs. So you know exactly what direction to walk in to get everywhere. And when I made it to the right floor... Then I was just kind of like, all right, let's see. Just watching the room numbers go down. And it was just so easy to find everything. It's well organized. The room was huge that you were in. It was like double the size of the last hospital room that you were in. You're absolutely right. The television was nice. The bathroom was really nice and very clean. You could tell it's everything is well sanitized in there. I was in so much pain, though. I didn't really have the TV on. I only had it on like twice. But they had a lot of movie choices and... Movies that you think should be in the movie theater. It was very nice. Yeah, they had a big selection. The Mayo Clinic has a lot of money to spend on entertainment Mm -hmm. for their patients. And they're very thorough. Like, you had an armband with a little QR code. So every time they did anything, scan the QR code, go back to the computer, check everything. They were very thorough about that. Yes. They were on top of, like, when you got your medicines, and they could tell you exactly what time the last dose was when you were getting discharged. And, like, All of that was in there, too. Even when I was in pain, and I was calling it in early, they would still make an effort to do what they could. Mm-hmm. Give me what they could at that time, and then come back and give me the rest of the dose. And then they were helpful even when you were ordering food and stuff. Like, yes. oh, you know, you can just call now and order all your meals for the day. And for tomorrow, you can order breakfast already if you want. And tell them what time you want. Oh, did you know you can order snacks? Oh, yeah. If you have them bring you a popsicle, have them keep it. Tell them to keep it outside. And we literally have a little freezer where we keep all of your snacks and stuff at. That's going to you, uh, Anna. Stop. Uh, but anyway but yeah it was like little things like that that like you didn't even ask about but they would just overhear us talking or they would hear us looking at the menu and then they're just like hey did you know you could do this or that they they even offered her a tray they're like since she's with you she can get a tray as well yeah they didn't care about feeding both of us and then the lady i think it was did you ever have a guy bring food yeah like one time i think a guy brought food to you but yeah. the the cafeteria staff that brought the food they were always super friendly did too. you ever go to the cafeteria i did not for one i don't really know where the cafeteria was at exactly there were signs like when you got off the west elevators there was a should have went there down. was like a a little cafe thing there but i think it was like because it had some funny name to it that made me think it was like vending food 
So, like, not, like, full meals or anything, but maybe you could get sandwiches and stuff like that there. The next time I go back, I'm going to go check out the... Yeah, I'm sure the cafeteria is not hard to find. I just didn't actively seek it out. And it's good food. But like I said, there's signs everywhere, so you can easily figure it out. I wanted to go to the gift shop, too, but the gift shop... the gift shop. I know, but it wasn't open on the weekend. I think because of COVID, they changed the hours. Because it was in the Canada building, which is connected to the right. Like, if you're facing the Mayo Clinic building from the outside, the Canada building is on the right, and they have handicap parking. Uh-huh. And it's a very small parking lot. So, I parked there on Saturday when I came to get you, because there's nobody there. Right. And walked down, because it was a shorter walk, but... The Canada building's there, and then you have the Mayo building, which is the hospital, and then you have the Davis building on the left, and that's where the pharmacy is. Okay. But the Davis building, I think, has some sort of food in it, too, but it's not the cafeteria. But I think they have a cafe at the Davis building. They were telling me about all these places in my room, and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you can just go to the Davis building, get your prescription. Yeah. It's not hard to find, though, because everything's connected. I don't know where that is. Yeah. No, it's all connected. And the Canada building, I think, is connected or was connected to the Mayo building. But they're doing a lot of construction in that area. So I don't know if the little hallway was open or not because that side had a lot of stuff going on in it. But the the gift shop was in the Canada building somewhere. But there are always so many people, and I just wanted to get to you. Uh-huh. And then when I leave, I was just like, oh, I got to get back to Lucifer. And then I didn't think about it to go to the gift shop. And then the right. last day, I was just like, God oh, damn it. I forgot. <sighs> you mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But they literally put me in a wheelchair and brought me out front, and that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And every day, there were so many people getting waiting to get picked up out front. Also, you can valet at the Mayo Clinic for $8. I did not do that. My ass walked from the parking lot. Whatever parking lot I ended up in, which the, let's see, the one at the Canada building was one of the easier ones. And then parking lot A was like the primo one because you didn't have to cross the street. And I got there one day and it was legit. I I think I actually parked at A. And then parking lot B was my second choice because it was across the street. But everyone's so nice, even the patients. So, like, everyone let you cross the street and it wasn't a problem. Didn't it help with the handicap sticker? Yeah, but no, that's what I'm telling you. Like, the most of the handicap parking was by the Canada building. Oh, okay. And that was always packed. Or one day there was, like, a freaking, like, cement truck or some crap that was in the middle of the parking lot. So, I couldn't see if there were spots. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here forever. So, I just went somewhere else to park. Right. And... Another day, like one of the first days, I think, the first day you were in there, so when the surgery was done, I went in that parking lot and I saw someone get in their car and then I sat there for like a good almost, it felt like forever, but it was it was a couple minutes waiting for them to move and they never left. <laughs> and then I was like, this is some BS. I'm trying to get inside to see you. Didn't matter because I had to leave and come back anyway. But well, that's part of the reason it took me so long to park that day. My uh, surgery was over, and it took me three hours to get a room. And sh- she got a, the text alerts, and it, her, it her was longer than that for you to get a room because. And they were like, "Well, surgery is over." She gets this message: "Surgery is over. Patient is gonna be 
getting a room or something like that. It said at 10.14, you're in recovery. 12.13, yeah, it was about three hours. And the patient is doing well, waiting a room assignment. So you're right. And then at 2.19, patient is going to a room soon. And then it was like 3 o'clock. I, I just left because I couldn't, for one, I couldn't leave Lucifer alone for like a million hours. That was right. crazy. And I didn't want to like get to your room and be like, well, I have to go because the dog needs me. So Too bad you couldn't bring Lucifer. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been well behaved, though. Yeah. Honestly. You think he would have barked? At the people, the nurses, maybe. Maybe. He did tend to bark at people, but. Uh, like thank you. you, Dr. Thomas, for recommending the Mayo Clinic to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've tried it every other place. You go to the Mayo Clinic because you can't get things done elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And Mayo Clinic. Takes the hard cases. And. Yeah. True. Keep in mind. I'm in. I am in a ton of pain right now. Mm-hmm. Ton of pain. But I'm I'm doing pretty good. You're I mean, a lot better than you were. I, I have to wear a collar. A neck brace when I go out of the house. Mm-hmm. I don't like it because I can't turn my neck. And and I get scared honestly. It, maybe it's because it's so new. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the only part that I don't really like. But I have to wear that for three months. Yeah. But I feel better than I did. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still am in a lot of pain. But my medicine is working. And I take it every, like, four hours. I think that's the thing that we need to focus on and why I've, like... I tried to ask you questions while I'm in the hospital, but between the Dilaud and stuff, it was kind of hard to get real answers from you. So, like, one of the key things I was looking for was, how's your head as far as, like, headaches? So, my head, so back, before I got the surgery, I always had a headache right in the middle of my head. Mm-hmm. No matter how, it just was on no a matter scale what you of took. 1 to 10, mm-hmm. it was off, it was always at a 9 or a 10. I don't have that anymore. I think I that is amazing. I don't amazing. feel it. Yes, he has had a lot of migraines the last couple of days, but to be honest with you, I think that's a combination of you're not sleeping as well. I'm not which really. Is, which makes sense. You're not really eating no. as much. You are eating something, but you're not eating like you normally would. Right. You know, and you're. you're tired, your body's overworked and stressed. So I don't, I'm not really too concerned about the. I hate that you're having the migraines, but the fact that you have something to help alleviate the migraines. Right. For the first time in like is four important. years. Yeah. So you're if, having to take more Imitrex, but do you know, at the end of the day, if it helps, then that's an improvement over where we were a week ago. Can you imagine if we would have started here? It would have made a big difference. The trouble we could have saved ourselves. But I, we've always been suspicious that the neck pain was partially was kind of, a result of uh, your neck. And this is kind of proof of that. And right. that was one of my things. So, like, when you were kind of conscious, I was like, do you, do, is your headache gone? And then you would just be like, I don't know. I'm like, why am I even asking these freaking questions? Why even? Why do Why you're I, on the Dilaudid? You have no idea what's going on. The Dilaudid was but good. But I think another key thing is what you just said, that your neck hurts, obviously. They cut into you. Not surprising. But that the medicine. Oh. Hold on. We have we have dogs. 
two dogs. We have dogs. They're not going just Lucy. Out. Also, Raven. they're going outside. And Lucifer doesn't know how to shut up. No. Okay. He did. He actually did pretty good at the hotel. I, did, I love him, but he's a noisy dog. Anyway, I was saying was you could take a million pills in the world before, and you're like it really does nothing. Now you have pain, and that sucks. But it is what it is for right now. But right. you're saying I'm taking medicine, and it helps. Right. That's a huge improvement from before as well. And these are key things that I was looking for when we were going to be leaving. And I was just like, okay, don't get like your hopes up. Don't get really excited. But I really just wanted to know, like, are your headaches gone? Because that's a key thing. In my mind, that's been a key thing that this is, this is going to work. This is going to work. And like I said, I was waiting until you were kind of able to. Coherent. Yeah. So when you got out of the hospital, that's when I was like, all right, let me ask you. My now. my surgeon, Dr. Chen, he was just like, I think you're going to get better and better and better and better. Yes. I mean, I have incision pain. Yeah. But that will wear off. And I'm, I'm just going to end up getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. I mean, if my head feels this good and I'm three days out of surgery. Well. Four days. What's, a week, what's today? Monday. So like six days. Six days. And the physical therapist had said if you're, like, up and moving around and everything, they get your blood flow working, that helps you heal faster, that's better for you. Mm-hmm. And at the hospital, you're very stagnant. You weren't moving around unless physical therapy came with you. Right. It wasn't like you'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to go on a walk now, see you in a little bit. Because if you could have walked around the campus, I think you would have enjoyed that because it's very nice. Right. But it's okay. I'm but sure. when we got home, every we've been home two nights. We have went on a walk. Not a very long one, mm-hmm. but we have been going on walks. Yeah, we're not going on the walks we were before this. I got to build my stamina back yeah. up. It's, you know, if I'm home, then we go out together and we're going to go on a walk. I think it's because of my collar because I still get very nervous. Yeah, when we were waiting. So we went to a place called M Shack in Jacksonville for food right when he got out of the hospital. And... That was the first time you were out with the neck brace and everything on. And he was, like, freaking out while we were waiting on the food. Like, he was, like, holding on to me for dear life. Wouldn't let go. We we put ourselves in a corner. Mm-hmm. Because I had the back, my back was against a wall, like a corner. And I could see mm-hmm. around me. Yeah. But apparently they kept cleaning bottles. Behind me, and they were like, "Oh, we gotta get, we gotta get, yeah. I mean, you gotta get behind you." And I was like, "What are they doing?" Yeah, that's it. They're just getting cleaning bottles. I always, I almost was like, "You need to move that," Mm -hmm. but I didn't. Yeah, but overall, I think things are gonna be much better. I think my quality of life is gonna change. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm going to be out of pain. Yes. And that's why we at had, least as far as like your neck and your head and everything. And then I mean, if I need back stuff, back medicine or pain or relief, I'm sure Doctor Chen can direct me to somebody that can deal with back pain. Yeah. So I agree, but yeah, I think this is a good sign. So yeah. I'm excited to talk to Dr. Thomas about this. Mm-hmm. He said to come back when I was feeling better. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to go see him for a while. Mm-hmm. 
I want to... I want to feel at least a little bit better in my collar. Yeah. I want to... I don't... Even though I'm in a collar, I don't want to, like... For the first week, I'm not supposed to drive, so... Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to figure it out mm-hmm. the next week. Yeah. So... So, overall, what do you think? I think this was a success. Me too. Glad we did it. Yeah, me too. And I'm glad it all worked out, even if it was down to the last minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, we've been back and forth, back and forth between this mm-hmm. this surgery. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad it finally all worked out. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Yeah. Anything else? No. All right. I know you. This podcast is a bit of a treat. Special you got, episode. You got a three-parter here, all one episode, but three different parts. So. I think we're at like four parts now. I don't four know. Four parts. Okay. I lost track. All right. Cool. Yeah. So just keep well, hitting this, subscribe and make sure you like, subscribe, definitely write a review about this episode and share it. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all. Write a review about our podcast, like our podcast, and just get it out to people. People with chronic pain, people dealing with pain issues will find value in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. All right. All right. Cool. Signing off. Signing off, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Painful Truth of Living with Chronic Pain with Robbie and Sammy. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to the Limitless Podcast Network's own channel, Instagram, and all things social media. And we'll see you all real soon.